Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit ChristChurchManchester.com. Yesterday, I went out and bought a Christmas tree for our house, okay? Bit of a family tradition. Yesterday, I went with my uncle who is visiting and a couple of our kids. Uh, and I don't know. I just wanted to ask, show of hands, how many people have put up a Christmas tree so far this year? Oh, that's pretty much everyone. Okay, the people who haven't, are you going to put one up this week? No? Are you going to put one up at all? Yeah, okay, okay. So consensus, everyone's putting up a tree, just not yet for the minority. Most people already have. So as we were driving there to buy this tree, one of my children said to me, Dad, why do we buy a tree at Christmas again? Where did that come from? And I, I, I tried to give some very clever answer about the history of, you know, some field in Germany or whatever it was. Um, but I, I had that pause in my head. And I thought, you know what? It is all a little bit weird, isn't it? We've got all this Christmas stuff. There's a Christmas tree and we wear these funny hats and you have this funny pudding and there's these cheesy Christmas music. Uh, and then you come to the Christmas story and it's like it's completely different. So what we're going to do for the next little while is we're going to take off all our thoughts about Christmas trees and Christmas puddings and Christmas music, and we're going to put them to one side. And we're going to think about the Christmas story by looking at what happened to the shepherds. So we're going to have a look at the verse now. The verse is going to come up here, and it'd be great if we could look through it together. It's not a long passage. It's just one verse we're going to look at, okay? And it says this, When they had seen him, That means when the shepherds had seen Jesus, okay? When the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, we're going to think a bit about this, what it meant for the shepherds to see Jesus and spread the word. And along the way, okay, this is the exciting bit, we've got a few quizzes. You should all have one of these pieces of paper. You all have one of these, yeah? Does anyone not have a pen? We're missing some paper over here. Toby, do you happen to have any, any spares you're able to take over? Thank you. Anyone not have a pen? Missing a pen over there. Give her a pen. Have you got a bit of paper now? Thank you. And there's one missing pen over here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, so we've got some quizzes going on, and we do have... Some Christmas prizes, okay? Now we'll get into them a little bit later. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about angels at all. They're a big part of this story, but they're not for today, okay? So if there are no angels, don't panic. Okay, point number one. The shepherds saw Jesus. Well, what did they see? They saw a baby, didn't they? A baby in weird circumstances who was also the son of God. And, of course, the first thing they saw was he was just a normal human baby. He was probably, at the time the shepherds saw him, less than one day old. And um, just, not just yet, John, not just yet. Uh, He's less than one day old. Now, I don't know how many babies you've seen who are less than one day old. I've seen five of my own, plus a number of others at work. They're tiny, okay? And they don't do much. In fact, being brutally honest, for most of the time, they're practically unconscious. (laughs) They open their eyes, they blink, they look like an alien briefly, depending on which of our children you were. They cry for a bit, they feed, and then they're unconscious again. Jesus was that kind of baby. Vulnerable, totally helpless. 
But more than that, he was a baby in weird circumstances. Now, it says the shepherds saw Jesus in, and there's this word, a manger. Now, a manger is like an animal's feeding trough. Thanks, John. Now, this for us is totally weird, okay? Now, I don't know about you. I don't have cows and sheep and donkeys in my house or outside my house. I know some people have chickens in their back garden, but not quite the same thing. Uh, for the people back then, though, of course, it was a lot more of an agricultural, agricultural way of life. It was more normal to have this, this kind of thing going on. And maybe we could say, well, the shepherds were used to it. They're used to wildlife and things. But let's imagine. Let's, let's see if we can apply it to today's society. Imagine uh, that someone comes to your house, a young woman comes to your house and suddenly gives birth. Okay? A bit far-fetched maybe, but just imagine... <laughs> Uh, And let's suppose in your house you don't have a cot or a Moses basket. Where could the young mother put the baby for it to safely sleep? And thank you. A couple of options. Yeah, Uh, that was a rhetorical question. I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you when I want answers. Uh, But that brings us on to quiz number one. Okay, quiz number one. Name five unusual places Thorpe children have fallen asleep. Okay, you've got thirty seconds. Write your answers down on a piece of paper. Whoever gets the most gets a prize. Number one. This is one of our tiniest children. And yes, this is a doll's pushchair. She was that small. Thank you. Number two. Christmas Day, about four years ago. Just fell asleep, middle of the afternoon on the living room floor. Okay, this one isn't quite so unusual. This is in a hospital bed. But she did have her legs strapped up like that for 10 days straight. Number four. This is not just in a little tent, but it's also in an airport waiting lounge thingy. And the last one, what's the last one again? Oh, yeah, outside Buckingham Palace. I mean, where else would you fall asleep if you're a toddler? Thank you, you can, you can move on there. All right, did anyone get all five? Anyone? Yes, or are you joking? You got four. Anyone else get four? Ben Greystone. Oh, you get four as well? You get four as well? He's winding us up. He only got one. Did anyone get three? You, got, you both got three? Yeah? Okay, loads of people got three. Oh, I didn't forecast this. All right. Uh, uh, I'm just, okay, show your sheets. Right, whoever gets up here first with three correct answers wins a prize. Dolly pusher, floor, airplane. In a pram. Upside down, head hanging off a chair. <laughs> On the floor, legs up, in an airport. Okay, I think airport's closer than aeroplane. I'm going to give it to you. Well done. So Jesus, Jesus was a normal human baby, but he was one in weird circumstances. But there was another thing about this baby, wasn't it? He was the son of God. And the shepherds knew some things about this baby, didn't they? They knew first that he was a savior. He was someone who had come to save people. To come down into the world that he created and save save us from the mess we've all made of of our lives. But then secondly, he didn't just come to save, he came as the Lord. And Lord is one of those words that outside the church we don't really use nowadays, do we? But back in this culture 2,000 years ago, it was used of the most powerful man in the world, Caesar. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the Roman Empire at this time. And in fact, he'd changed Rome from being a republic where there was a bit of democracy to an empire where he was absolutely in control. And apparently Roman citizens back then used to show their allegiance to the emperor 
by using this phrase, Kaiser Kurios, which means Caesar is Lord. And it's that same word there, Lord, that's used of Jesus here. He is God's king who's come to rule, who's come to take over. So the shepherds knew that this baby was the saviour and he was the Lord. Let me give you a couple of illustrations about this uh, that I found helpful. Okay, Imagine uh, you're watching the FA Cup final. Man City are playing, obviously, uh, and um, they go 1-0 up. Okay, uh, They're playing against Stockport County uh, and... Um, and for, out of some, for some bizarre reason, Stockport scored two unanswered goals. Man City are losing the FA Cup final. The owner of Man City, Sheikh Mansour, is sitting up in the stands with his son watching the game. It gets to five minutes to go and he can't stand it anymore. He tells his son, put on this shirt. I'm sending you on to fix the mess that that team's in. Well, how about this one? William Shakespeare wrote some of the greatest plays that exist in the English language. Let's suppose you're going to watch Romeo and Juliet at the Palace Theatre for a Christmas evening out. Uh, and you know the story. You know that they both die at the end. Uh, and you're coming up to that bit. And then all of a sudden, this other person comes on to the play. And he says his name's William. And he says he wrote the, the story. And he intervenes to stop them both dying at the end. Now, neither of those examples are perfect, are they? But they both give us something of an idea of what's going on here. The owner steps down into the team he owns to fix the mess. The author steps down into the play he wrote. And it's the same when the shepherds saw the baby. They saw the owner stepping down into the world he created to come and fix the mess. And the author stepping down into the story he wrote to come and give it a better ending. Now here's the question. Have you seen Jesus? Now, we don't get to see Jesus in the flesh like the shepherds did, but we can see him today in another way. In John chapter 20, it says that Jesus performed a whole load of of miracles, miraculous signs. But some of them are written down in the book of John, in the Bible, so that we can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So we see Jesus today by reading the book that God's written, the Bible. But actually, it's more than that. It's not just seeing with our eyes, it's having an encounter in our hearts. There's a bit in 2 Corinthians where it says that God turns a light on in our hearts so that we can see who Jesus is, so we can see who God is by looking at Jesus. It's like all of us have a dark room inside our hearts and God can just flick the switch on and light just shines in. The shepherds saw Jesus and we can see Jesus today by reading the book that God wrote in the Bible, and by having God turn on that light in our hearts. And maybe there are one or two people here today who you think, you know, I've never met Jesus like that. I know about him, but I've never had an encounter with him that changed me. Well, today could be the day that happens. Please don't leave here without having met with Jesus, saying sorry to him for the way you've lived your life and asking him to come and take charge. So that's the first thing we see about this. The shepherds saw Jesus. And this is the second one. They spread the word. When the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds instinctively go and spread the word and tell everyone they can. So that got me thinking this week, well, they spread the word. 
What else do we spread? Spread is a bit of a funny word, isn't it? So we're on to quiz number two now. What other things spread? Can you name 10 things which spread? Let's see what I came up with. 10 things that spread. What have we got? Chocolate spread. Okay, the, the clue is in the title. Yeah? Okay. Well, jam. Marmite, anyone? Yeah. Icing from Lidl, as we've already had uh, tasted over there. Um, muck. Muck spread in. Yeah? Good one, yeah? Uh, that's a picture of coronavirus. Viruses do spread. Um, that one over the left. Uh, bad smells. Bad smells, yeah. Down there, forest fires. Yeah. How about this one in the bottom in the middle? A beautiful sunrise. A beautiful sunrise spreads across the sky, doesn't it? And how about this one at the very bottom? People. Have you noticed people just spread out by themselves? But you know what I noticed as I thought about these things that spread? I thought some things spread by themselves, okay? Whereas other things need some effort to make them spread. When I was overseas in the summer, I wouldn't mind going back, uh, a group of us and I walked up a hill in darkness at dawn, and we got to the top of this hill just as the sun was coming up. This beautiful sunrise, that photo doesn't do it anything like justice. But gradually, over the next couple of minutes, the sun just spread over this sky, and we were just surrounded by this incredible picture. It spread completely by itself. And some things need a bit of effort to spread, don't they? You get a dollop of chocolate spread out, particularly on a slightly colder winter day. You put it on the bread. What does it do? Well, before it rips the bread, it does nothing. It just sits there. You have to push it. You have to use some effort to get it to spread out. And if you don't get it up to the edges, we're not on that bit yet, John, sorry. If you don't get up to the edges, you end up wasting a bit, a bit of crust. And here's the thing. Sometimes spreading the word about Jesus happens naturally sometimes, like a sunrise just spreading across the sky. At other times, we have to put effort in, like pushing the chocolate spread across the piece of bread. You see, the shepherds spread the word naturally. It just came out, didn't it? More like the sunrise than the chocolate spread. And we know that because in the next verse, it said, all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it. They didn't just tell it to one or two of their close friends. They didn't just go home and tell someone they lived with that they'd seen this amazing baby. They told everyone. Think for a minute of a time you were given some really good news. Maybe you passed a test at school. Maybe you got somewhere to live. Maybe the doctor told you the cancer had gone. When you got good news, didn't you naturally want to share it with everyone you met? I remember one time when I passed my last professional exam, okay, to become a consultant. I was so happy, for, um, that, I'd, so happy that I'd passed this exam that it just came out of me. I just had this smile at work and people could just tell that I'd passed. And sometimes news like that just spreads easily. And so it is sometimes with us. Some moments in our lives or some Christians you meet, they're just naturally talking about Jesus. It just bubbles up and comes out inside of them. But actually, it's not always that easy, is it? And even the great apostle Paul knew this. In fact, in the book of Colossians, he said this, pray for us, pray for us too, that God would open a door for our message and pray that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. So Paul is implying that spreading the news about Jesus isn't always easy. The doors aren't always open. In fact, sometimes they're shut. And sometimes he doesn't explain things all that well. And I, I know I certainly don't explain things all that well that often. 
In fact, I know sometimes in my own life, it's felt much easier to just talk about the weather than it has to talk about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? And yet it's reality, isn't it? So we spread the word in two ways, maybe. Sometimes just naturally, like the sunrise. Other times we put effort in, like spreading some chocolate spread on a piece of bread. But here's what is exciting about this time of year. Christmas is like putting the chocolate spread in the microwave. Okay? If you put chocolate spread in the microwave, make sure you take all the foil off, otherwise it might spark. Look what happens. So on the right there, we have a normal bit of chocolate spread, and on the left, a jar that's been in the microwave. And you flip forward, you see? Look at that. You pour it out, and it spreads so easily. Christmas, I think, is the easiest time of year for us to spread the news about Jesus. Christmas is the easiest time of year to talk to people about whether God exists. And if he does exist, whether he cares for us. I don't know if you found that as well. But I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, let's make the most we can of this time of year. Now, there's another part to this, to this spreading the news, that I just want to touch on briefly, but it's so important, even though it's not in this passage we've read. Remember what what Paul said in Colossians that I read a minute ago. He said, pray for us that God would open a door. And in fact, elsewhere, he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they would be saved. It's so important that we're praying for people to come to know Jesus. If we met Jesus ourselves and we know how amazing it is, we should be asking that God would do the same. And what I'd like to challenge you with now is to think of three people in your life who don't yet know Jesus, people who you can pray for every day, perhaps, until Christmas. That's manageable, I think, three weeks. doesn't have to be long prayers. Pray for them every day and think to yourself, how am I going to spread the word about Jesus to them? So the shepherds saw Jesus and they spread the word, but then they spread the word about what they had been told. And here's the point. The shepherds spread the word by giving information and by using words. Okay? By giving information and using words. Another version of this, of this verse says they made known, which means there are other people who didn't know something and they told them. The shepherds were given information, weren't they? They were told things about Jesus. And even though the shepherds had seen Jesus themselves, They told other people what they had been told. They'd had an amazing experience, but they didn't only rely on that. They relied on the information they had been given as well. And we live in a society now where giving information in words is not very popular. And I think there are at least two parts to this. Okay, First, we live in a culture which values experience above information. And second, we live in a culture that values pictures above words. So let's think about those two separately just for a minute. First, experience above information. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, lived experience. Have you heard that? It's quite in vogue at the moment. It's this idea that if someone has lived through something, they have a unique insight on that particular thing. And in fact, more than that, uh, there are people in our society now who say that it's only by living through something that you can really know what it's like. Having experience of something is the way to know ultimate truth. 
Have you come across that view? I have, a lot. And someone else who knew the value of lived experience was the Apostle Paul. If you remember, he was walking one day from Jerusalem to Damascus when he saw this blinding light. And then he was blind, wasn't he, for three days until God healed him. And he said that that was the time when he met Jesus. He had an incredible experience of meeting Jesus. And, you know, twice later in the book of Acts, he retells that story, doesn't he? He knows stories are valuable. He knows the value of his experience that he can share with other people. But this same Paul wrote in the book of Romans these words, faith comes through hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And in fact, just before that, he says, how can people hear if no one tells them? So this Paul, who knew the value of personal experience, tells us that we need to share information if people are to meet Jesus for themselves. And in fact, Jesus himself said this, didn't he? In that little bit at the very end of the, the, of the book of Matthew, he said, go and make disciples, teaching them. And teaching is conveying information, isn't it? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus is telling us to pass on the information that he's given to us, to the first disciples. Well, what is that information? Well, it's what we thought about earlier, wasn't it? That at Christmas, the Son of God became a baby, that he came down as saviour to save us from the mess we've made of our own lives, and as Lord into the story he's written to take over and give us a better ending. When we spread the word, by all means, let's use our stories but let's tell people what Jesus had done as well. And then secondly, so that was, we live in a culture that values experience over information. Secondly, we live in a culture where pictures are valued above words. Okay, uh, brief interlude, quiz number three. Are you ready? Quiz number three. How many, this is a very easy short quiz, how many WhatsApp photos have I been sent this week? Photos on WhatsApp. How many have I been sent? This is Thursday to Thursday. Write a number down. How many have I been sent this week? Uh, now, for a lot of us, sending photos or videos is how we communicate, isn't it? A photo or a video, or maybe it's a GIF, or maybe it's an emoji. We communicate a lot in pictures and less in words. And that's changed, hasn't it? Even over my lifetime, even 10 years ago, that wasn't the case so much. Our culture is suddenly one that's so visual that words are almost of secondary importance, aren't they? And actually, it talks a bit about this in the Bible. In Psalm 19, I don't know if any of you remember that. In Psalm 19, it talks about a picture that God has given us. Not a picture of a cute baby or of a funny cat, but a picture that God has painted in the heavens of the sky. And it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. It's saying that when we look at that beautiful sunrise I had a picture of, or when we're out in the countryside and we see all the stars up there, it tells us something about God. But the same psalm goes on to tell us that the detail comes from the book that God has written. It tells us there's a picture that tells us that God is real, but it's the words that tell us that God can be known. The picture tells us that God is powerful. But the words tell us that God became a baby at Christmas. Using pictures can be helpful, but we need the words to help us understand what's going on. There's a famous old painting 
of Jesus standing outside a door and knocking. Some of you will have seen this before. Uh, and as you look at it, it's a lovely painting, isn't it? It's uh, of a particular style. It's Jesus standing and knocking on a door. But it's only when you hear the words from the book of Revelation that you understand the meaning that's going on there. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. So the shepherds spread the word about what they had been told by giving information and using words. Let's think for a few minutes just before we finish about how we could do that this Christmas. So I'm going to give you a few ideas. You will all have lots of other ideas of your own. So at the end, why not chat to each other and share ideas about how we can be spreading the word of Jesus this Christmas? Here are some ideas I came up with. Number one, ask people what they think. Here is the, uh, the question I've been using recently. What do you make of the Christmas story? That's the question I've been using. Not what do you make of Christmas, because then you get crazy answers about trees and all sorts. What do you make of the Christmas story? Which gives people an opportunity to open up a conversation about God becoming a baby. Even this week, it's opened up a couple of really good conversations with me. Or how about this? You could perhaps give them a little book about the meaning of Christmas. Here's a little one here. Uh, I've got a selection of books over there with me. I'm going to be probably on a table somewhere. Uh, and I'd love, I'd love you to have a look at books. If you've got friends who you think you could give a little book to, please come and take one and use it to introduce them to the message of, message of Christmas. Or maybe you can invite people to something at church. Did you all remember that in the notices? We've got a community meal coming up on Saturday, the carol service two weeks a day. And in fact, they're easy because in both of those, someone else does the hard work of talking about Jesus. So you don't have to. Or you could even invite people around to your house, welcome them into your house, offer them mince pies and mulled wine maybe, and use that as a chance to talk to them about the real meaning of Christmas. There are some people here, I'm sure, who know, you know in your heart, you haven't met Jesus for yourself like the shepherds did. You haven't seen who Jesus is and had a meeting with him in your heart where you say to him, God, I'm sorry, please come down and fix the mess. Jesus, please come and take charge. But then a second group, which is probably more of us, is people who we know we've already met Jesus. And we, we long for our friends, our family, to see Jesus for themselves. And if that's you, why don't you take the chance to pray that God will show, show you how to do that with your friends and family this Christmas. That he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit to be spreading the word a bit more like the shepherds, naturally like the sunrise, and a bit less like pushing the chocolate spread out on the bread. Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. 
Look forward to connecting with you.